Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 114. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Now, more than any other time, no matter where you are in the solar system, now is a time to stay vigilant. I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, uh, as, as I said just now to my colleagues, uh, that we must go forward uh, based on truth. We cannot both uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that, uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution, uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. That's Wyoming Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, and now the former chair of the House Republican Congress. She was voted out this week in a secret ballot by her fellow Republicans for telling the truth and opposing Donald Trump. She was voted out for standing up for America. She was voted out for standing up against lies. She was voted out for staying vigilant. It used to be the Democrats that ate their own constantly. Not anymore. Liz Cheney is one of only 10 Republican House members who voted to impeach President Mayhem over his role in inciting the deadly January 6th insurrection and attack on America at our Capitol. And never forget, even as time passes, almost six months later, it was an insurrection. It was an attack on America. Too many in the media now are weakly mincing words and calling January 6th a riot. It wasn't a riot. It was an attack on our capital. It was an insurrection. If you're in the media, stand up, have a spine, and call it what it is. Or find another line of work. The American people need and deserve the truth. The key to our future is understanding our past. And we can't understand our past if political figures and media leaders keep rewriting it or watering it down. 9-11 was more than 9-11. It was the most horrible, devastating, destructive terrorist attack on America of our time. Until January 6th, which is much more than just January 6th, it was the most horrible, devastating, and destructive terrorist attack since the last one. In the future, America can be a place of unity, peace, and prosperity. Or, in the future, America can be a place of division, pain, and loss. It's up to all of us. 
What we do in these critical days will determine what the future looks like. It can be a wasteland with a rotten and contaminated planet, pandemic and famine, and war and death. Or the future can be a place of clean air and water, health and happiness, and peace and love. From the world of sci-fi, the future can be the Planet of the Apes, District 9, Snowpiercer, Mad Max, or Wally. Or it can be something better. It can be Tomorrowland, The Truman Show, or Her. Or it can be something else entirely. The future of America is what we make it. But it will largely be determined by the events of the last year and the year to come. The best sci-fi is very close to reality. Just in the last week, NASA's exploration of Mars continued, SpaceX landed a Starship prototype successfully, and a cyber attack crippled our nation's gas supply. The future can look like Iceland or Bhutan, or it can look like Gaza and Tel Aviv, where hatred and rockets rain down on thousands, or like Afghanistan where this week, explosions outside of a school in the capital killed more than 60 people, mostly young girls, as they were leaving class. The future is what we make of it. And the future is here. And that future must contain a Republican Party that puts country ahead of a maniacal, authoritarian goon who is pent on dragging America backwards. And, it must contain a Democratic Party that can be tough and sane. But even more so, it must contain independent Americans, people who choose no party at all, who are willing to stand up for what's right. Americans who are willing to put the Constitution, our children, and our future first. 9-11 and January 6th are about so much more than just those dates. And our future is about so much more than political parties. The future is ours. And like Joe Strummer said, the future is unwritten. But it's written not just by the victors. It's written by the leaders, by the visionaries, by the true of heart, by the dreamers. The dreamers who can see a better day in the future. A future beyond the mass shootings, beyond the insurrection, beyond the pandemic, and maybe beyond Earth. times like this, great science fiction can feel frighteningly real. From The Handmaid's Tale, to The Man in the High Tower, to The Mandalorian. But nothing on the air right now, and maybe ever, is quite as good as The Expanse. Yes, I said it. I think The Expanse is the best sci-fi show ever. The Expanse started on the Sci-Fi Channel and is now on Amazon. 
And it's better than Doctor Who, better than Westworld, sorry, Jeffrey Wright, better than Battlestar Galactica, the new one, better than Star Trek. Now, I know I say some provocative, argument-sparking things on this podcast, but nothing may be more controversial than this one, at least among sci-fi fans. And even if you're not a sci-fi fan, you'll probably still be a fan of The Expanse. In the show, hundreds of years from now, humans live throughout the solar system. Mars has been colonized, and it represents one of the three major superpowers of the universe. Alongside the United Nations of Earth and Luna, the moon, which has also been colonized, and the OPA, the Outer Planets Alliance, a scattered confederation of the asteroid belt and the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. Season one starts with these three powers of the solar system locked in a tense cold war. And across the span of five seasons, various forms of conflict unfold. I won't spoil the specifics if you haven't seen it yet. But the story centers around a heroic, ragtag, diverse crew aboard the commandeered battleship eventually called the Rosinante, led by an Earther, the noble and honorable James Holden. The crew is a universal Benetton ad of diversity, with women and men, black, white, and brown, from all three places that are often at war. The Belters, the Martians, and the Earthers mismatched and combined in cause that call themselves a family. On the Rasinante, they love, they fight, and they struggle like family. And they weave a hell of a tale. One that in the year 2350 touches on almost every modern conflict point facing America in 2021. From disease to inequality to division to competition over resources, to racial and ethnic division, to tribalism and nationalism, to authoritarianism, to war and the specter of the apocalypse. But also, with awesome spaceships, cool technology, alien viruses, and incredible characters. Really incredible characters. And none more incredible than Amos Burton. An incredible, tough Earther mechanic with a mysterious past an imposing physique, and some of the best lines in TV history. Amos is complicated. He's loved and hated. He's no better friend, no worse enemy. And he tries to do the right thing and be a good person. But sometimes he gets it wrong. Amos Burton is a lot like America. And in the highly anticipated sixth and final season premiering on Amazon later this year, Amos's fate will be decided. This sixth and final season will show us if Amos lives or dies, and if the Earth and the rest of the universe survive or perish. Just in time for us to consider the future of America and our world. This May, America is bouncing off bottom, but we're still deep in mortal combat, and our season six is still unfolding just like the fate of Amos Burton. A character who's played by a man who's not just one of the most talented rising stars in entertainment, not just a global superstar with an insanely dedicated following, but also a guy who has one of the most amazing discovery stories you'll ever hear. 
a story that involves a boy with a dream from North Georgia who ended up in the Navy on a ship way out in the expanse where he'd experience a twist of fate that would change his life and his future forever. The future of America and the expanse is still undecided, but the future of our guest is assured. He's on the rise and gaining speed, like a Martian Corvette-class light frigate hitting the Epstein Drive. He's our guest, Wes Chatham. Wes Chatham is another important, inspiring, and iconic American, and a guy who's shaping America's future by playing a character who is part of what could be our world's future. Wes grew up in North Georgia and was a restless and rebellion young dude. And as he shares with us on Zoom from the expanse of his home in North Georgia, fresh off shooting season six in Toronto, at the age of 13, Wes moved in with his father, where he didn't have a ton of supervision. He got kicked out of high school and sent to a place called the Gibbs Center, which was a second chance school for troubled kids. They had small classes and better academics. And while he was there, a professional theater company out of Atlanta started a mentoring program. Wes was selected to write a play that was later performed for his classmates, and the seed for acting was planted. After high school, Wes joined the United States Navy. He worked as an aviation firefighter on the flight deck of the USS Essex, working in crash and salvage over a four-year enlistment starting in 1998. Just three months before his tour was finished, he got his big break. While searching for some authentic military guys for a movie being filmed on his ship, Wes Chatham was discovered by a casting director and was shot into orbit after meeting and appearing alongside one of the biggest stars of all time. He shares the story, and I'm not going to spoil it, but stay tuned. It's a great one. Wes moved to Hollywood and shortly after got cast in his first regular role on Showtime's Barbershop. Then, Paul Haggis cast him alongside Tommy Lee Jones as Corporal Steve Penning in The Valley of Ella. Tommy Lee Jones was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for that role and Wes Chatham's launch was propelled further. Wes would go on to work with another military veteran, Vietnam vet Oliver Stone in W. The next year, Wes landed another series regular role on CBS's hit TV show, The Unit. Again, flexing his military experience, Wes was cast as a new unit team member, Sergeant Sam McBride, a.k.a. Whiplash, working with David Mamet and Sean Ryan. And in 2011, Wes was part of the ensemble cast in The Help, starring Emma Stone, Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, Jessica Chastain, Allison Janney, and Sissy Spacek. The film got four Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, and Wes played Emma Stone's brother in the film. Wes is a tough dude, not just on screen, but in real life. In 2012, he landed his first title role in Joel Silver's Philly Kid, about a former wrestler turned cage fighter. A fan of mixed martial arts, Wes played Dylan McGuire and performed all of his own stunts. He's also been in The Hunger Games Part 1 and 2, in Christopher Nolan's Tenet, and in the show Hand of God, 
alongside previous guest of this show and massive fan favorite, Ron Perlman. And Ron's the guy who introduced me to Wes. Wes is also the host of his own podcast called Ty and That Guy. Wes is also the host of his own podcast called Ty and That Guy with novelist and screenwriter Ty Frank. It's fun and real, and they talk to a range of creatives about art, movies, books, and ideas that inspire them. And guests have included our friend Ron Perlman. And soon, Wes will be in the upcoming films Broken Horses and The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And of course, he'll be starring in the highly anticipated season six of The Expanse. But Wes is no Hollywood snob. He's a proudly married father of two young boys. He's a guy who loves his country, who loves a good story, and really loves what he does. He's a great American success story, whose story is still unfolding. We'll talk about his journey, fatherhood, the future, the state of the country, drinking versus smoking, and of course, his favorite drink and first car, which will not disappoint you. A story from Wes Chatham always delivers a punch. Just like his character in The Expanse, Amos Burton. Someday I think you and I are going to end up bloody. How about now? I'm free right now. Politics in America is still bloody. But summer really is coming, finally. And if we stay on track and stay vigilant, we can beat the pandemic, bounce off bottom, and have a hell of a summer. And be in a position to continue to turn our country around and launch into a much better future, an expansive future, full of not just rocket ships and distant planets, but one with less dying, less violence, and less conflict. And of course, less heat and more light. Independent Americans is again bringing light to contrast all the heat of the other political pods. And we're bringing the power of the righteous media five eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And we're bringing you another conversation to help you stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. And Wes Chatham's going to give you hope, lots of hope. And he'll encourage you to keep dreaming about whatever your dream is, whatever your future holds. Whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent like me, tens of millions of independent Americans are growing all across America, and we're spreading faster than the protomolecule on Eros. And maybe we're a key to the future, a better future filled with as much opportunity as the universe holds. From Earth to the Moon to Mars to the Belt and beyond. Welcome to the expanse that is 2021 in America. Welcome to the future. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 114.
ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country, around the world, and around the universe. We are very privileged to bring you a bit of a change of pace. Uh, a man that I have admired, that I have watched, that I respect, and I'm just a huge fan of. Uh, a guy who's had a really interesting, inspiring story. We always want to bring important, inspiring, iconic Americans. And if you are a fan of this man, you're going to love this. If you're not, you will be by the end. Uh, a, a guy that 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 really is a, a man of the moment in many ways. The great and powerful Wes Chatham joins us here on Independent Americans. Welcome, <laughs> my friend. Hey, brother. It's good to see you, man. It's an honor to be here. I'm really, uh, really happy to be here with you. Well, I'm psyched to talk to you. I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Expanse. I'm a huge fan of you. Uh, and we are both huge fans of Ron Perlman because that's how yeah. I initially got in touch with you. The man, he's been on this show, I think, twice, maybe three times. The first time I interviewed him when he was in his car driving around Los Angeles like a madman with his hair on fire. Uh -huh. um, but we, <laughs> we met through Ron. So how did you, how'd you meet Perlman? I got to ask you that, man. I met I met Promo for the first time. Uh, we were doing this uh, uh, we were doing this pilot, Hand to God, and uh, we did this pilot with Mark Forster, uh, which ended up being a show. Um, I ended up going to do the Expanse. Uh, there was a long period between the show and then uh, getting picked up as as a series, and we hit it off right away. I the, he nobody makes me laugh like Ron. I just think he's such a character, and he just he just he just gets to me, and he's really intelligent and hyper talented one of the things that uh you know ron has such an ease about him and he seems like he's always having fun and always playing around but he is extremely intelligent and very very good at his job so i have a lot of respect for him and we hit it off and then uh, i ended up doing a movie called hand to god uh with blake lively and jason patrick and his company uh, was one of the producers, um, Wing and a Prayer Productions was part of the uh, production. And we all went to Thailand and that's when we really, we just had a blast. I mean, we were out there for a couple months and we just had a good time. And so we became uh, really good friends and, and uh, stayed in touch. And he sent me, he introduced me to you on a text. And I knew right away, I said, well, if this guy's a friend of Ron, then he's, he's my type of guy. <laughs> and uh, we started texting back and forth. And I started listening to some of your stuff and, um, and uh, this podcast and reading about you. And, uh, and I think, you know, I think you have such a great, authentic voice. And it's something that fires me up. And I have a lot of respect for you. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a real privilege to be here and to be a part of this thing. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, I think, I think this is going to be a great uh, platform for you. And I think you're going to do big things. So I'm just glad to uh, get to hang out with you for a little bit. I appreciate that, man. We're in this crew, the, the FORs, the friends of Ron, right? This extended network. <laughs> like, right. If, if we ever all got together in one place, I mean, it would, yeah. a lot of law enforcement would be notified. I mean, that, that would be a, a wild, <laughs> yeah. a wild guy. And the idea of going to Thailand with Ron Perlman is a whole nother level, right? Um, yeah, but I, yeah. I appreciate that, man. I mean, we're trying to bring people together and add light. And I, I told you when we were warming up, it, it kind of feels like the Rasinante a little bit sometimes where it's us against the world, but it really matters. And, and your yeah. work matters. Your voice matters. Let me ask you this. I want to get into your Navy service. I want to get into hopefully what's coming up on the expanse. want to get into, you know, your thoughts on all things. But I've been asking everybody. Uh, it's been a difficult year. And folks have been grinding it out. They've been trying to find the light. It looks like we're coming out uh, out of this hard time and, and the light at the end of the tunnel is here. But Wes, where are you and, and how are you? 
What's the last year been like for you and, and the people close to you? Well, I'm in a little town uh, south of Atlanta in Georgia. Um, I was uh, I just got here last week. This is where my family is. But I was in Toronto uh, shooting season six. Uh, I was up there for about five months um, and we just wrapped and I just got back uh, to to this little town in Georgia. I don't want to say the name of the town because I love how small it is. And, and there's been a lot of people. It's a beautiful, beautiful little town. And there's been uh, since the shutdown of the pandemic, there's been a lot of people coming in and um, I wanted to stay a little town. So, uh, <laughs> so I keep it. To, we, we were talking earlier about how much we love, you know, little town, small pace, you know, you're, you're up in the mountains up in New York. So, you know, you, you we're the same breed. Yeah. It's, you know, we're both in an undisclosed location for important reasons. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and you, we were also talking, you know, you were away from your family for a long period of time, you know, across the mm -hmm. border and you've got mm -hmm. young kids. I've got young kids. It, it, it kind of fit, mm -hmm. must have felt like a deployment. I want to get into your Navy service. But, you know, being away right. from your family during all this that was going on, you know, what was that like? And, and what are your takeaways from you've been through some hard stuff in your life. But what's what's this last year and that part of it been like for you? Yeah, well, uh you know, it did remind me of a deployment. I did. I have. I did two um, uh, West Pacific tours, um, and uh, when, um, when you know, but at the time, I didn't have kids, mm -hmm. and so uh, just being a single guy going out, it wasn't really. Uh, I did two West packs, and being a single guy going out, it wasn't really that big of a deal. But now, just going off to shoot a TV show. Uh, and being locked in Toronto because it's completely shut down, the border shut down. So I wasn't able to go back and forth. So it felt like, uh, in, in some ways, like a deployment, but it also really made me respect all the men and women serving now or the people that I served with um, because the added, the added stress and how, how much you miss your family and how much you miss your kids. I never had that when I was in because I was a single person, but to, to see what um, these people accomplish and what they're up against and the kind of conditions that they're living in. Uh, but also on top of that, being away from their family, just really puts in, in perspective for me, the sacrifice that these people, these uh, men and women are making for us. And uh, it just, it, it just, it, it, it I just had uh, that much more respect for what they're doing. Mm. Um, and then, so I, I feel hesitant to compare it because I was doing a TV show where uh, I didn't have anywhere, you know, I was, I was being pampered. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't have you know, near the uh, challenges that they I feel you. Cause I didn't have kids when I was in. And uh, you know, at that time I used to tell people, you know, it, for, for me, it's okay. Like I'm out there. I know what I'm doing. It's much harder on my family. You know, my, my dad mm -hmm. watched TV all the time. My mother sold her television, right? Like they didn't want to know they approached it in different ways. Now my kid gets on the school bus and I'm like a mess, right? I'm a puddle trying yeah. to watch my kindergartner go, go off. Um, but I think that, that, that perspective it's is, funny you say that I'll, I'll put it here. It's funny you say that because, you know, I think we get to a certain point in life where we're like, okay, you figure out how to pr protect yourself. You figure out the things that, uh, you know, you, you know yourself better, you know, you to kind of like to, to, uh, separate yourself from the world, create these protective barriers. But then you have, and then you, as soon as you just figure it out, as soon as you're like, all right, I feel like I'm at peace. Then you have kids. And then it's like your beating heart is outside of your body and you, and you can't use your defense mechanisms that you've acquired over the years to look after it. It just, it's like all over again. 
That's uh, it. You, na- you nailed it. You na- <laughs> I said that before. I think I think Obama said it once. He said having kids is like having your heart outside your body. And I think especially in, in times like this, right? Like, you know, I have so much respect yeah. for my, I tell him every day, like my five-year-old is like a warrior. He's suiting up. He's going into an unknown environment. Like watching him get ready for school is, is like, you know, us leaving the wire in Iraq years ago. I mean, it's different, yeah. but for him, you know, he's facing fear that we couldn't comprehend it at that, at that age. Right. And, and now it's right. a whole new world, but let me, let me take you back. I want to ask you some questions. I ask everybody, if you're in Thailand with, with Ron, Perlman, or maybe when you were in the Navy, everybody has a drink of choice. So, West Chatham, mm-hmm. what was your drink? What is or was your drink of choice? Well, I'm seasonal, <laughs> right? So, uh, in the summer, when it's hot, I like tequila, um, and uh, I like a really nice tequila, uh, like a 1492 Blanco or something like that. Uh, it's in the winter. I like a little bit of bourbon. Uh, when, and it's weird because if it's real cold, uh, I like beer, which I know it's reversed that people would like it when it when it's hot. Um, and uh, and I like red wine. I like red wine in the fall. So I'm, I'm a seasonal drinker. But I will tell you, I, I'm I'm having to reevaluate my relationship to alcohol because it's, it's just not the same as it used to be. Um, and. Uh, I, you know, and I, so I've experienced, I've experimented with like just times of not drinking. And I, I think I went a year and a half at one point of not drinking. Um, and I, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy, you know, I, I think it'd be nice if you and I were having a beer right now while we're talking. I enjoy so much about it. But at the end of the day, man, it's just. Uh, it's just too many challenges that come along with it that, that yeah, make it not I worth it as you, no, as you no. get older. Number one, you're a renaissance man now. So I, I appreciate the, the, the complicated, the appropriately complicated answer. That was a great, great answer. And I would expect no less. <laughs> but also, you know, alcohol is an ass kicker when you get old, when you got little ones and you're trying. And now, you know, you know, maybe maybe in the Navy, you, you know, when you were taking your shirt off, people were taking pictures of you. But now you got to be lean and mean <laughs> for this for this right. global sensation that is your TV show, man. So that's a good moment. But I, I you know, I went to, I told people this on the show. I went a couple months during the pandemic, completely cold turkey. You know, my blood pressure was too high. I was just drinking you know, too much. And I said, I'm going to try to do cold turkey. And I did it. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do, especially during the pandemic. But so we're growing up. We're well, what, what do you like to drink? I really like, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to say I'm a lot like you, like my, my wife loves tequila. I love tequila. When I, when I tried to drop weight, cause I'm trying to drop weight again, I got to do clear liquor. So I, I got to do vodka mm-hmm. and tequila. Otherwise like the brown stuff and the beer makes you fat. And then, mm-hmm. and my doc was like, Hey man, you'd be better off. If you dropped another 10 pounds. So I'm going to try to shred that down. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I, frankly, I've talked about this on the show. I smoke weed more. I mean, it, it's a better release yeah. for me. It's better on my body. Uh, it's better yeah. on my mind. And now it's legal in New York and many other places. So I think it's, it's a game changer. I, I, I never understood. And I still don't understand how alcohol is kind of accepted, but something like weed, well, I guess it's changing is, is, is changing really fast, but weed was, was the bad. I remember growing up and like, I, I remember you know, my dad never had any restrictions on me not drinking. Um, it just, it was a part of his life and he didn't care if it was a part of mine. And so it was just natural. It was part of growing up. I'd come home from school and grab a beer out of the refrigerator and sit down and watch TV with him. But marijuana now, that was a big no-no. That was, you know, whoa, you're going down the wrong path. But if you really look at it, you look at like health and longevity and 
the impact it has on your body. Um, overwhelmingly, you know, marijuana is a, 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 has way more health benefits and, and a more positive impact on your body and your mind than alcohol does. Um, I, I feel you on that, man. We talked about this with John Bernthal, who I told you when we were, when we were warming up here, like, you know, I, I can't wait to see the two of you guys in a movie together one day. And I, maybe we could throw Ron Perlman in there too. Um, because yeah. you, you guys are all badasses and you're, you know, the discipline you talked about, um, probably serves you well when you're on set because just coincidentally, maybe it was, I don't know how many years ago, 10 years ago, me and IAVA partnered with Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass on the green, on the green zone, the film about the green mm -hmm. zone in Iraq. And now it's trending on Netflix this week. And I'm getting all these notes because I have this short like cameo in it where I pop up and I play uh, Colonel Gonzalez, great casting, of course. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, I have this little piece, but all the guys in the film around Matt were vets and we cast them. Yeah. And I remember being on set and we were in England at the time. And then they shot in Morocco and Spain and all the makeup people, all the people on set, you say, man, you guys are awesome. Like, we don't really have to feed you. You're out in the sun all the time. You know, you're getting your asses kicked and you never complain. You guys are just happy. Like, these guys are getting paid three times what they used to get paid. They're staying in a hotel. They're in a movie with Matt Damon. They're getting, you know, drinks at the bar at night. This is this is like the best deployment on earth, right? Yeah, that it makes me it pisses me off sometimes when we're uh, in just, I just, you know, ultimately getting it, getting uh, the, being able to do what I've always dreamed of doing and being in this environment where you're well taken care of and coming from other worlds where, where it was a lot harder getting along. Uh, whenever I hear complaining or I hear, you know, whining about something, it's like, what do you, what are we whining about? Let's try to go building a house in upstate New York in the wintertime, you know, <laughs> go on deployment, you know, and, and it, it's, uh, so, um, it's, it's, a you know, so that, that's one of the things that just really bothers me about it. And then, you know, I'm sure that, the, yeah. Yeah. It's good I'm perspective, sure man, noticed. but I think it serves you well. Cause I mean, I, I said this, I think with Bernthal and I've said it with others, my friends who've done well, you know, in, especially in entertainment, almost any industry, but especially in entertainment, where you look, there's, there's a lot of good looking people. There's a lot of talented people. There's a lot of people who they could pick for a part. You know, I said this about mm -hmm. Bernthal and about my friend Teddy, and I'm sure about Ron, like when you know their work ethic and you know, they're a good mm -hmm. person and there's somebody you want to mm -hmm. be in the foxhole with, you get the job over somebody else. I've seen that happen to so many of my friends yeah. in many different industries, but let me ask you, Wes Chatham, go way back in the way, way back machine, back to whether it was North Georgia or somewhere else. What was mm -hmm. your very first car? My first car was a 1984 Berlinetta Camaro. And it was uh, my dad's friend, Kenny Vaughn, who used to buy and fix up cars and sell them. Out of the kindness of his heart, he gave me that car. Pretty much just gave it to me. I think I paid him $300 for it. And, uh, and it had T-tops. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, people like to say it was brown, but it was gold. It was gold. I'll hang on. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it was in such a state that I remember one time uh, a buddy of mine was driving the car and we were all packed in. It was like three in the back and, and two of us up front. We were going to a party and he pulled up and these girls uh, showed up and they were like, is this your car? He goes, hell no. And, and, and he goes, Wes, I'm sorry, but I got to stop driving this thing before people think this is my car. 
<laughs> and here it is. I'm thinking like, this is the coolest thing on the planet. It's got, it might be old. It might be beat up. It might need body work. It might, you know, whatever. But um, it had T-tops. And, uh, but yeah, 1984 Berlinetta Camaro. I had a radio on a swivel, you know, so you oh. swivel it to you and, and do the thing and they could swivel it back. And yeah, I think it was a 305. And it, uh, yeah. I knew, I knew this wouldn't disappoint. And, and I, I usually ask what color it is. And you said it was not uh -huh. brown; it was gold, which which is which it's is, not brown, goddammit. And I and I and I and I and the thing is, is like you know, every, people refuse to see that it's gold. It had like gold flakes in it, and people say yeah. it was brown. They said it was shit brown, but yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It was gold, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. It just required a deeper look, right? Yes, you you, you had to get to know it before yeah. you knew the gold. Before did, it, did, because before it showed you, know, you the gold. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the expanse and you're on a different kind of vehicle that is now legendary in the world of entertainment and, and sci-fi. But did you before we get to the Rosinante and other things, did your car have a name? The Berlinetta. That's what we always called it because it was the Berlinetta Camaro. We call it the Berla or the Burley or the Berlinetta. Yeah, that's what we that's what we uh, that's what we called it. Ladies and gentlemen, West Chatham's, West Chatham's not going to disappoint you with stories today. I promise you that. <laughs> so let's so let's build on that because you know some folks. I know your fans are going to devour this episode and they're going to really enjoy uh, this. But some folks are going to be newer to you, to your career, to your work. You've got one of these great origin stories, right? Like you, you served mm -hmm, in the Navy, right. and can you tell us about you know what you were doing in the Navy and and this moment? with Denzel Washington and a film they're shooting on your ship, which is, which is one of, it, it's almost like, you know, Henry Rollins told the story about how he got the lead singer job in, in Black Flag when he was working at Baskin Robbins. And it's this great, right. you know, founding legend story, but tell us, you know, right. in whatever version you like the, 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 the story of what happened on that ship one day. Right. Well, and I, as I was say this, I'm, it's the truth. This is the God's honest truth. And we can you can get mystical, spiritual. All I'm going to tell is the empirical facts of what happened in this situation. Um, so my whole life, I've always been attracted to story and I've always been I've always lived in my imagination. It's really the only thing that I really cared about, you know, growing up. And uh, I always had this eternal compass that that somehow I wanted to be involved with this thing. And I was a wild child growing up. I didn't really have much uh, supervision or anything. So I, I, I got, you know, I, I went down some wrong paths. Uh, but thank, you know, thank God I ended up joining the military when I did, because it became the parent that I needed. And it became a, uh, it became, uh, also, um, positive male role models, you know, that, that were ahead of me and that, that I really, people that I really respected that kind of demonstrated a, a behavior that I could, you know, strive for. Um, and then, you know, but I'll get to the story, but also, you know, uh, really showing me discipline, the power of discipline and that the real peace can be achieved through discipline, like chaos. You're not going to have, it's, it's going to just, uh, it's going to, you know, have an, uh, unrestful mind. But, um, so we were, I was on the flight deck and I was with Petty Officer Jones. Petty Officer Jones was, I think he was 43 or 42 and a sec still a second class petty officer because old petty officer Jones, he liked the booze a little bit. And, uh, he, he had some, he had a lot of wild years in, in the old days, but we were sitting on the, and I love petty officer. Nobody made me laugh like petty officer Jones. And we were on the flight deck 
and we were we were looking out over the ocean. The sun was going down. I think we were in the Gulf at the time, and uh, and we were. Can I tell a long story, or is this? Yeah, that's why we we don't have to. We don't have to stop for any Viagra commercials or anything else. That's the beauty of this (laughs) format. You can talk. Uh, Yeah, because I'm from the South, so when we tell stories, we got to tell it the right (laughs) way. So we're sitting on flight deck watching the sun go down. Um, and we started talking about what we want to do when we got out of the military. And I told him, he said, you know, I've always loved, uh, theater. I've always loved movies. I've always loved that world. I have no idea how to be a part of it, how to, how to get into it. But I feel like I I have a calling for it. I feel like that this is something that I, that I want to do. And, you know, talking like this at that time when you're young and you're in the military and you kind of, if you start talking like, you know, destiny and what you feel like you have a calling for a lot of people are just like what the fuck are you talking about man so i kind of was like just letting it fly man this is how i feel this is what i want and he told me the story about uh he was on the ship i can't remember the name of the carrier but he was on the ship when they were filming top gun and he got to uh meet tom cruise and val kilmer and and uh and I, you're about to say, well, we're we're close in the same age, so you know, you remember how important Top Gun was to us yes. growing up. I think it's, I think it's single handedly the reason that I spent four years in the Gulf, man. It's like you know, I was, and, and then when I'm there, I'm like, maybe I wanted to be an actor, maybe <laughs> maybe I I wanted to, you know. But um, so anyway, he told me the story, and I said, wouldn't it be amazing if they were shooting a movie on my boat or on our ship? We were on the Bellawood at the time. We were on the Essex for two years, and then we crew swapped in Sasquatch, Japan, to the Bellawood, and we brought the Bellawood was for deployed, and we brought the Bellawood back. And uh, I said, "Wouldn't it be amazing if they were shooting a movie on the boat?" And then he said, "Well, who who would who would be interesting to have on the boat? Like, who's your favorite actors?" And we started talking about it. And he's like, "Hey, man, this is how he's talking. He goes, hey, man, you know who I like? I like Denzel Washington. That's that's who I like." And, uh, and I said, Oh man, Denzel, like that's a heavyweight, you know, imagine if somebody like Denzel came on, I listen to me, look at me in the face. I swear to God, this is the truth that I'm not lying. So cut to, uh, time goes by. I think it was after September 11th, like right after September 11th. No, no, either after or right before. And so, uh, Petty Officer Jones was standing watch on the flight deck. I was in the gym working out and Petty Officer Jones is standing watch, has somebody covering, leaves the flight deck because he's got this news he's got to tell me. He runs up to the, the, the gym and, and I'm working out. And I swear to God, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, Denzel Washington just walked on ship, aboard the ship. I was like, what? And he goes, Denzel, he goes, this is your chance, Chatham. This is your chance. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I go upstairs. And fucking Denzel Washington is walking around the flight deck, scouting it for his film, the Antoine Fisher story. And uh, they chose the Bellawood to do to be a part of this thing. And so I was in a working party and Master Chief Penton, who's a good friend of mine to this day. I was on I was in a working party and uh, we were bringing on I think we we're about to do. Uh, I think we were getting ready to do the Colonel Blitz uh, coming up down in um, Camp Pendleton. And so we were bringing ammo on low. We're bringing food and all supplies. And I was on working party doing all these things. And he came up and he said, Chatham, uh, I heard you wanted to be involved with this movie thing. And I said, yeah. And he said, um, well, you know, they, they're asking military guys to come in and audition. They want authentic military guys to be a part of the thing. And he said, I might 
I might let you go be a part of this and audition if you get a haircut. Cause I always, the irony is it's like my hair is shorter now than when I was in. Cause I always push the boundaries on, on haircuts. And, uh, so I said, all right, Master Chief, and I went and got a haircut and then he let me audition for it. And when I went and auditioned, Robbie Reed was the casting director. And I went and auditioned and she said, thank you. And then I was walking out and then she brought me, she, somebody said, hey, and I went back and she said, have you done this before? And I said, uh, not, not really, you know, but this is something And she goes, and she said at the time, she said, you can do this if you want to you can, this can be wow. something you're doing. And, and she said, here's, uh, she goes, are you an actor? And I, and I said, no, I don't think so. I don't know what I am, but, <laughs> but I, I like, I, you know, I'm attracted to this and, uh, I, and I'm, and again, you know, people are attracted to different reasons. I just love story. I just love the world of make believe. I, it wasn't for any other reason than that it's simple. And so she gave me her number and, uh, and then, when when i got out i called her and then there's all kinds of you know stories past then but that'll take up the whole podcast but uh i called her and it was just it was it was literally a dream come true now to say that like you know that that was a really mystical magical moment but i worked my ass off for for everything you know from that point that was definitely a great start but i really had to respect and devote my time to to learn and understand the craft and you know that that might be something interesting that uh what Denzel said to me, if people are watching that might be interested in, in, uh, getting into this world or going into becoming an actor, because when, uh, so we were, we, you know what? Oh, I swear to God. So, um, we, uh, well, this is, this is, this is branching off, bro. This is branching off into other stories and I can't believe I brought it. But anyway, so this is the the memorabilia pad, right? So you remember this when you were in the military, you get issued. This, so you're holding right? up for folks that are listening. You're holding up the green like military issue notepad that goes probably in your breast pocket of your of your BDUs, right, or wherever it is. Yeah, and so if you can see, I still have my notes from back when I was in, and like you know, in, wow. in 2002. So uh, so I had my member, you know, this this pad that we that standard that you get issued when you go in there, and so him and I were having a conversation. And he said, I heard about Robbie Reed and I heard about this because, by the way, I, I ended up being a part of the film. I was kind of like an extra, but also like the liaison. It's like if they needed to go, like I knew my way around the ship to lead the crew yeah. and everything around. They just they were just giving me something to be a part of it. So uh, he said, I heard that Robbie Reed really responded to you and you had a really great audition and everything. I said, yeah. And I said, what are you going to do when you get out? And I said, I'm going to the military or I'm going to, to meet with Robbie, do this. And he says, OK, listen to me. He said, the, the only currency and value that you, that one can have, you could go out there and if you have a certain look or certain whatever and get a job tomorrow, but it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. The only currency that you have is being good at the job. This is a craft. This is a thing that you have to learn, that you have to study. You have to put your heart and soul into it because that is the only thing that will sustain your career, being popular, knowing the right people. He goes, all that doesn't mean anything. People focus on that, but the real grinders, the real people that know the, that made and uh, devoted their life to studying the art, that's what will get you to success. And that's what he said. So we get, so we signed this and it's, so you're holding up uh, to the screen, a, de a signature from Denzel. It says two, uh, two West, God bless. See in the movies <laughs> and cut to last year. I'm doing, uh, I got this, uh, 
it's like this, it was a long story, but I got this, uh, I got involved with the movie Tenet, the Christopher Nolan movie Tenet. And yeah, it, little, you know, little movie, said, hey, little movie called Tenet with Christopher well, Nolan. I, yeah. I'm in, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I had a really little, a very little part. Like they yes. called and said, Hey, we're doing this thing. It's this long. And they said, you know, they're interested in you from this time to this time. And I said, I don't care what it is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care, you know, whatever. I said, I just to be in the same room with Nolan, I'll do this. But anyway, I go there and Denzel Washington's son is the lead of this movie. And I tell him the story and I show him the pad. And he, it was just like my, and he took a picture and sent it to it. You know, it's, it's crazy. You know, the world, how, how, you know, if you, how the world, does things like that full you know? circle man um, full circle full this, circle. this is why full circle. I, it's one of the greatest origin stories uh in, in, <laughs> in entertainment i've heard man and for vets yeah. so many you know generations of vets that and, and military people that have this dream whether it's to be a musician or be an actor or be whatever all those everybody can relate to that moment of being in a faraway place dreaming Right. And hoping yeah. that something could happen. And you were you were ready for that moment. You were an enlisted. You were like a flight deck firefighter. Right. Is that what your job was? Or what yeah, was I was. Yeah. I worked in crash and rescue. I was aviation. So you're an enlisted guy on the deck of a ship. And and fast forward, you meet Denzel. Then you go on to be in, uh, you know, W. You were in Valley of Ella and, and you know, all these films. Now you're in The Expanse. And it all started way back when. And interestingly, I got to I got to make this. But they were looking for like a military type. Right. And you are. I told <laughs> right. my wife, I was like, he looks like G.I. Joe. Like he kind of looks like G.I. <laughs> Joe. Right. And now fast forward, you're, you're playing all these characters where you're that guy. Right. And you're doing a, right, a brilliant right. job. But. I'm really grateful you shared it because people need to hear these stories of tenacity and, and, and sacrifice and how you got there. And your story is, 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 you know, it's, it's like American idol. It's, it's this moment where all of a sudden something happens and your whole life changes. And, and that's one of the reasons why so many people root for you, man. It, it's really inspiring <laughs> and it's exciting and it, it's what dreams are made of. Right. And, and, and again, I'm telling the highlights, like there was a, you know, there's a lot of, hard work and struggle and sleeping on couches and, and being hungry and, uh, and, and, you know, not knowing if things were going to come together or if this is what you're going to do. And then, uh, so, you know, I'm just giving the, the highlights of it, but it, it all comes with struggle. Well, it's, it's, it's an important takeaway for this time when so many folks are struggling, you feel like you've been through so much and so many times when people want to quit or give up or pack it in and, and, and your your story is is for the dreamers, but it's also a great American success story, right? And and you've been yeah. grinding it out. You've been you've also played some military folks in different parts, right? Which I'm sure has served you well. Now you're mm -hmm. in the expanse, which I think I will say I think is maybe the greatest sci-fi series of all time. Okay, <laughs> oh, Battlestar awesome. Galactica. People, I know that we want to battle about that. I wore, so my mother knows I'm really into NASA. I, I noticed NASA. that. So she got me a commemorative Mars landing shirt that she got. That was my Easter present for me and my brother, right? So I wore that boy. in your honor, right? Uh, right? Let me ask you this. Maybe some folks are, are totally into the expanse. Maybe they're not. What do you think is the most important thing about the expanse? Why is the expanse so important and so popular in, in your opinion? Well, I think that uh, one of the things that really resonate is that, and I was having a conversation of, about this the other day, like, so take, for example, the Epstein drive, 
everything in the expanse. So you're looking at 150 years, 200 years from now. Everything in the expanse. If if you take something like the Epstein drive and you look and you really look at it, it's like that could be possible. That could work. What in and and also the relations between uh, first of all us leaving the planet and colonizing Moon, going to Mars, colonizing Mars, then leading to the outer asteroid belts, doing um, uh, asteroid mining, uh, all of these uh, collecting resources from these things. All of these things theoretically makes sense. And so you, you, you see a show that you feel is a realistic projection of what the world or the solar system will look like 150 and 200 years from now. And there's something about that because if you, you know, and, and also the other things are fun. The fantasy is fun. If you, you know, Star Trek, where they can literally molecularly t- take you apart and then re-put you together somewhere else, another thing. And those are fun, but it kind of, but you know, you have a little bit of separation from reality, but if there's something where you look and you say, well, that makes sense. And that could be, you know, that could, and and the amount of effort and time that they put into the physics and the science around the show and make it as authentic as possible, um, you know, in in being able to achieve that, but also creating these characters um, that are so, that are so human and vulnerable and make mistakes and everybody's gray and you don't really understand. Um, and you can understand everybody's point of view. There's nobody on the expanse, even Marco who's slinging rocks at earth. There's nobody that you can identify with. Mm. And I think that if, and I think if you look at world politics now, I mean, if you really do the work and try to understand what somebody's doing or why they're acting the way they're acting, you can really get to a point where you can understand. You might disagree with it, but you understand because of the way they were grow- the raised and conditioned and what they believe in and what's important to them and their what they think is the right thing to do. And I think the expanse really captures that in the complexity and the nuance of this of these greater struggles, but also on a on a micro level within, you know, just trying to be a decent human being and really trying to learn and and figure out how to do that. Mm. Um, so it, it fires on all those different levels because you have the, the right brain and the left brain working with, you have all the science and the physics, but you also have these beautiful story arcs with these interesting characters, um, and this massive macro story of this intergalactic, um, you know, world, uh, war with all these different worlds. And, um, so I, you know, I, I think, and, and, and I think, and I believe because I was a fan of the expanse the books before the show, uh, before I was a part of the show. So I think it, it fires on all those different levels mm. and it, it's rare for a show to do that. I think that's a, that's a fantastic summary and, and breakdown and insight. I mean, it, it's about identity. It's about morality. It's about, uh, you know, colonizing. It's about oppression. It's about authoritarianism. It's about war. It's about love. It's about all these different things that, that, that aren't that far away especially in times like this where tribalism is kicking in and people are questioning nationalism and all these other components rattling together, incredible performances and acting across the board, you know, amazing characters, Uh, you know, the nuance I think you get in a way that's really, really important and not just sci-fi fans, but people who like good entertainment, but you also have this unique opportunity where you play 
you know, maybe one of the most badass characters in modern entertainment, right? <laughs> like you, if you're a Navy guy in a ship and you kind of want to like make a, a character out of nothing and say, who do I want to be? Right. I mean, it comes up to being Amos Burton, right? And you're this guy that gets to pull together all these experiences in your life and be a badass character that rivals some of the characters that, you know, Bernthal, Perlman, whoever. But I think it's forever going to go down as one of the most badass characters for so many different reasons. You're, you know, you're a hero, you're a villain, you're a sex, sex symbol, you're all of those things packed together. Um, what do you think is most important about Amos? And and I got it coming up season six. What can you tell us? What can't you tell us? It's probably like operational security in the Navy. So I'm hoping, you know, you will you will not honor operational security and, and spill some top secret information here for fans. <laughs> But what is it about right. Amos and, and what are you excited about that's coming up and what can you tell us? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I feel so honored and privileged to be able to tell, to be able to, to be a part of this story in this expanse team, but also to have a character like Amos to play. It's endlessly fascinating. Every season I'm pulled in, you know, I, 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 I don't know how many other characters that I would play were going into season six. I still have butterflies and I'm as, um, I have as much excitement to be able to play the character as much as I do Amos. But I think one of the things that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what you were saying about being a badass. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Amos is that he has really no awareness and no, no need or want to be a badass. He doesn't have an ego in that way. And the, you know, I think the simplicity of him um, on and, and on one side, but also the complexity of him is what makes him really interesting because all he really cares about is his job, his work and his, his, his family that's around him, the people that he ended up connecting and having loyalty to. And all these macro things that are going in the galaxy, he'll go along with it because fucking Holden is always dragging, you know, always, you know, be, you know, and, and, but he knows that Holden's doing the right thing and that that Holden ultimately um, is the most moral and ethical person that he knows. Mm. And, you know, when, when uh, Amos was growing up, the most important person in his life was Lydia. And it was kind of the person that raised him, who was his mother figure, but also lover, which there's a lot going on there. Yep. But ultimately what she made him, the only person that cared about him, that raised him, he had a severe, severely traumatic uh, childhood. And the only love and kindness that he was shown is from Lydia. And so his loyalty to her is un, you know, one thing that Amos is, is very loyal. And she made him promise her that he was going to find a way to be a decent man, a decent human being, and not become the people, the abusers of the world that was around him. And so that is his main drive is to never let down the one person that ever loved him, the one person that, but he doesn't know how to do it all mm. the time because he is. Uh, he has been damaged in so many different ways. So he grabs a hold of somebody like Naomi. He grabs a hold of somebody like uh, Holden. He grabs a hold and he uses them as the, as his moral compass of like, okay, if they think this is the right thing, this is the right thing. And I'm a full on board in season five, there's a moment where he gets separated from his team and you start to see who Amos is without his people and what he's capable of. Um, And, uh, and so that that's just endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to push into seasons. I mean, the, you know, fans of the show, if you're not a fan, like Amos could be the last man standing at the end of the universe 
right? Or he could be the guy that falls on the grenade and saves everybody or somewhere in between. Is, Ham- is Amos going to make it, Wes? Or, and and uh, is he going to make it? I gotta, I'm got i going to ask the question even if you can't answer it. <laughs> for, for how long? You tell me. <laughs> to, to be honest, uh, I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta try. You know, I gotta try. That might be one of the hardest questions. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy trying to like. When you were talking about season six, I was like, oh, I'm gonna tell you a little bit. See, and then I started yep. thinking, I was like, I can't tell that because that leads to that, or I can't tell this because it leads well, to this or whatever. But I will say this: every, uh, you know, looking back on the expanse, and one of the things I'm most proud of is that. Everybody like me and, and Holden, Naomi, every and, and uh, Ty and Daniel, the writers of the show, and Lorraine, the the uh, showrunner, everybody that came together, we we really were fans of the show. We loved the show, and we kind of what made it special is we started creating this thing, and it was nowhere near what it is now. But we we created this thing that only like a a few people, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, like a, not not a lot of people, but these fans, these hardcore fans, found it. And they created a foundation that we could build off of. And then the whole thing about, you know, getting, uh, uh, getting canceled, but then Amazon coming to the publicity of that, it triggered something. And then the, the, and then we had this foundation of fans that like were vocal, but they were taste. It, it was like a perfect storm yeah. of luck to, for it to become what it's become now. And so it's such a beautiful and sweet thing. So every time we go, you know, we were going into season six and we are fucking focused, man. Cause we're like, <laughs> yeah. we are so blessed. We are so lucky that we can continue this journey and that the show is as successful as it is. And, and on the level that we never would have dreamed of with the first yep. two seasons, three seasons. And so, uh, you know, so we, we go in, you know, and, and I believe that season six is going to be our best season so far. Well, I can't wait for it. Uh, I think part of why I wanted to talk to you also is, is there's kind of a, you know, there's a populism around shows now where it's, it's, it's not unlike, you know, politics or activism where people can really make or break something. And there was such a deep, dedicated, well-organized, almost political campaign, grassroots political campaign from the fans to make sure that this thing didn't die. Right. And in all its iterations, it, it kept on. And now we're at this point where I think the world will finally understand it and appreciate it. It'll be there forever. Who knows what comes after it? It's become a launch pad for you and, and so many other talented people. Um, and, and it's exciting to watch. So I encourage everybody to watch it. It's one of my favorite shows. My five-year-old knows I go to watch it. And sometimes he'll wander. I'll go, dad, can I watch? Are you watching the expanse? Cause he's seen the <laughs> intro and I'm like, not right. yet, buddy. Maybe at some point I'll share that with him. But let me ask right. you a couple of questions I ask of all our guests. I think are important. We're going to shift, you know, building on that. You got a great energy, man. You got a great spirit. Um, but, you know, you, you've been through a lot, too. And we've asked all of our guests, this show used to be called Angry Americans. We said, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. You can channel that anger into many positive things. If you're pissed off, the expanse is going to get canceled. You can get involved and try to ensure that it doesn't. But you're human. You got, you know, blood pumping. Wes Chatham, what makes you angry? I think one of the things that uh, makes me angry and also, uh, also it gives me fear is how polarized the country is right now. 
I think that we, uh, the, so for me, whenever I meet somebody that I disagree with, even if it's something I get curious about it, I'm like, why do you think that way? And I want to know more about it. And I want to hear their story and kind of like what we were talking about the expanse. If you really make the effort to get to know somebody at the end of the day, you still might agree with them, but you, do, you understand that there's a human being on the other side, even if it's misguided, even if they've been hearing the wrong things. And so existing in a world where our own tailor-made media ecosystems, um, where you're in a completely different information, uh, you, you have a completely different um, uh, information feed than the guy that lives next door to you. Mm. And you guys can, can live in this world where you have no idea what's really what's really going on on the inside of the other person the when you know so that to me is 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 tearing the country apart and i think that uh you know i think i i miss having a place of shared value of shared mm. principles and then we can start to we we know that that's set we know that we're in on this you know and then we can start to agree off the that, off the, I think off that's the layers so, on top so, of that. It's so, it's so timely. It's so powerful. It's also part of why people love the expanse because for folks who don't know on your ship is this crew of people from different genders, different races. You've got, you know, Martians, earthers and belters working together to save the universe. Right. It's this, this mm. kind of idealistic way of how we could all come together in common cause. And it's what I think mm -hmm. we hope can happen now in America and even more broadly as we fight the pandemic and many other challenges. Who knows what's yet to come? So the two are intertwined and I think it gives power and lift to this show and what you're trying to communicate as a broader message. But you also have awesome happiness and, and energy. Anybody who's around you, it's contagious. They can see it. It's why they root for you. So Wes Chatham, question I ask of, of all of our guests, Wes Chatham, what makes you happy? Well, I got to tell you, man. I mean, I think I don't, I mean, the reality is, is like, uh, my my wife and my kids and you know like i'm 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 out here in the woods you know and, and going out in the fresh air and seeing the trees and and uh simplifying life uh that makes me happy having conversations with you and people like you these open-minded authentic honest people that are really desperately trying to find truth commonality um, but also you know really expressing who they are and what they believe in and, and standing up for what they believe in um, you know, that makes me happy. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and being able to have in a creative expression like the expanse, um, and, and, you know, I have so much gratitude for, for being able to, to, you know, to be a part of this thing that I've always dreamed about. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I feel, I feel very lucky. I feel very blessed and, uh, and, and that makes me happy. Well, I think it makes it makes me and all your fans happy to see you succeed. And we know there's a lot more to come, whether it's what, what makes you uh, happy. Man, I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah, obviously family. Right. And 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 purpose. Um, I mean, for me in the pandemic, the thing that I've been really going back to is music. Like I mm. need music like I need air. And, and, mm -hmm. and that has really given me, uh, you know, when I really need a shift and you probably know this from being on deployment, you know, if I needed just a three minute vacation, I could play mm -hmm. a Stevie Ray song or something else that brings me back to a different time and a different place. And it gives me that dose. I mean, today, before we recorded this, we found out the new hall of fame, uh, the rock and roll hall of fame list came out. 
And it's like mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters, Tina Turner, Randy Rhodes, the guitarist from, from Ozzy, Jay-Z. You know, it's this group of people that I love. And I felt like that was a kind of like what we needed this year after this fucked do you, up year. Do you play music? Badly. You know, and I'm trying to teach my kids. Yeah. They both got drum sets right through there. Uh, and I'm yeah. in a place where there's a lot of music. So I think it's really, I've, I've realized as I've gotten older, how essential it is to my happiness. And, mm-hmm. and that's really been a driving force for me. You know, I read somewhere and, and this really struck me and I, I wish I could remember the name of who said this, but who I, who I read was quoting somebody else. So it's, it's, a, you know, I'm sure it's pretty famous, mm-hmm. but they said that the, the, the goal that they have in life is really simple. A quiet mind, a fit body and a house full of love. Mm. And I heard those goals and, and I, and I thought how simple and how clear that is. And the reality is if you can get those combinations, right. And a fit body is not about vanity. It's about being healthy. You know, yeah. it's about health. Yeah. But if you get those combination things, right. You know, in a quiet mind and a house full of love, that's it, man. You know, that's like it. that's, I love yeah, it. That's it. I tell my boys yeah. all the time. They, they, they repeat it every day that, you know, we say it's going to be a great day. And then they say strong of body, strong of heart, strong of mind. And they think about that and they're conscious of that. And they're out in the world. I hope, you know, spreading that and you're spreading a lot. I have to pivot into giving you gifts. This is part of it. I wish we could do this in person. I want to do this again, but I also want to be mindful of the fact that my kids coming home from school, your kids are coming home from school and that house is going to be really full of love in, in a couple of minutes. Right. And so, uh, I got to get you some gifts. I'm going to send you some independent Americans gear. Uh, you know, having you wear it or rock it would be an awesome, honor man. and a privilege. You could yeah, take it well. out into, into the universe. We also got some Uncle Nearest whiskey coming your way, Ow, which you, which you yeah. can. I'll make good. I'll make good. Hey, I just told you about my struggles with alcohol. And, well, you can I'm, give it. I'm, you I'm can welcome it. You can <laughs> give it to that guy. You can give it to that guy who gave you. No, no. Give it to the guy who gave you the Camaro. Nobody. You can give it to the guy who gave you the Camaro or you can put. And yeah. then the, the last gift that's a question. Right. And we ask all our guests of this, even no matter what time of year it is, the Easter candy peeps is legendary okay. and there are three colors that's blue, awesome man blue yellow or pink west chatham which color would you choose and why i'm gonna go blue because my kids love that and my oldest nash his favorite color is blue so uh he would he would love that there you go man there you go man i, yeah. I love it i want to i want to thank you for for your candor for your stories for your inspiration and just for being somebody that we can root for and that our kids can look up to congratulations on all the success man and we're excited to watch what comes next for you man hey vice versa and thank you for having me on it's been an honor and that uh, was great talking to you and, and if you uh if i can help out in anything that you're doing just let me know Right now, just keep being you. If you got pictures of that Camaro, you know, and you next to it, you know, that would be, I think the fans around the world would like to see that. Maybe one day we can do a giant reunion when the pandemic's over and get you and Denzel in that car. And that would be an epic epic reunion, right? Put it on the top of an aircraft carrier and do an expanse activation or something, man. We'll take it way over the top and get Pearl. That'd be a fun thing for me is try to find one of those pictures because I'd love to see that thing. Well, well, fans around the world, it's you have your mission. You have many missions after this episode. (laughs) The great and powerful West Chatham. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Stay frosty and stay vigilant. Thanks, buddy.
quiet mind, a fit body, and a house full of love. I love that quote that Wes shared. Turns out, it's from a guy named Naval Ravikant. Naval Ravikant is an American entrepreneur and an investor. And he's the co-founder and former CEO of AngelList, a fundraising platform for startups to raise money from angel investors. I actually had never heard of him before, but he's got a podcast where he discusses philosophy, business, and investing. And he's been on podcasts with Joe Rogan and others. But I love that line. A quiet mind, a fit body, and a house full of love. Naval also added, these things cannot be bought. They must be earned. And I think that's true for us as individuals, but also for us as a country. As a country, we need a quiet mind, a fit body, and a house full of love. America's far from that right now, but maybe we're a bit further in that direction than we were a few months ago, and a few steps closer after talking to Wes. He's a dreamer who shows us all that big dreams can still come true in America. Especially when you work hard and you bring the light, which we've all got to continue to do in these still precarious times. And this pod will always be a place that brings the light and welcomes independents, Democrats, Republicans, and everything in between, just like the Rasanante and the Expanse. That crew always has hope, and it's led by the spirit of the hopeful Captain James Holden, who knows that even in the future, Hope is the oxygen of democracy. And we all need to be fighting now to spread that hope. All across the country and across the solar system. That hope for the future of America is more and more contagious by the day, spreading faster than the proto-molecule and even more powerful. So keep being a fighter. Keep being a helper. Keep it spreading. We can all be like Wes Chatham and all our recent guests, from Congressman Ruben Gallego to Paul Begala, to John Bernthal, all the way back to our conversations with Ron Perlman. And if you haven't heard those shows, please go back and check them out. And like the hope, spread the show wherever you can, from red states to blue states to the International Space Station. They say nobody can hear you scream in space. But being in space, or just looking up at the stars, can force you to breathe deep, to think about things a bit deeper, to look a bit longer, appreciate a bit more. You know, it's a great upside of the pandemic that with less cars on the roads, less ships in the seas, and less planes in the air, pollution is down. And it's been easier than I can remember to see the stars. Especially if you live in a place that used to have lots of air traffic. So as the summer nears, take a few minutes to go out and look at the stars. The expanse of the stars. And take a deep breath and appreciate the fact that you made it. And the future is still vast. And can be, if you make it, bright. Just take a look up and breathe. Breathe deep and spread that hope and encourage others to do the same. Unlike season six of The Expanse, this is not our final season. There are many more seasons ahead for America because we are beating the pandemic and things are getting so much better. They're not all good, but damn, I think we can all admit that they're at least better when it comes to the pandemic. But we got to stay focused. 
We need a few more good months of national focus. And that means being a helper and fighting for others. Fight for the little guy or gal, just like Amos Burton does. And share good info. It's how we fight misinformation and extremists and enemies of our future. And how we fight the virus. And it's how we get America to that brighter future. We can all be helpers, even 300 years in the future. I'll bet this advice from Mr. Rogers will be remembered. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. So many of us have been helpers. We've been sharing hope, good info and resources. And there is really good progress to report. This week, the Economist and YouGov national poll shows vaccine reluctance hitting another new low. 69% of adults say they've been at least partially vaccinated or plan to get vaccinated soon. Only 17% say they will not get vaccinated. And 14% still say they're unsure. And vaccine uptake is rising for Republicans and independents especially. 61% of Republicans say they have been or will be getting the vaccine. 52% of independents and 87% of Democrats say the same. Reluctance is still at 26%, but that's down by 11 points over the last month. So I'm going to do my part to keep working on those independent Americans. And please do yours. Almost every one of us knows somebody who's reluctant. Or maybe just afraid. Like Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live, one of the funniest people in America and especially on Twitter, Leslie Jones was scared and even Leslie Jones got the shot. I think this is the, this is the back of my mind. Okay, perfect. You can come in. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? How are you? I'm Alan. I'm the LBN. Hey, LBN, please tell me what that means. It's a licensed vocational nurse. So we're under nice. the Yes. I love that. LBN. I still would tell people I rule the world. Should do it. Girl, I'm yes. going to do, do R next, so. Oh, oh, I'm so scared. That's it. I know, but I'm like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> That's why I'm here. I'm going to monitor you for 15 minutes. You got to monitor me for 15 yes, minutes? You monitor everyone for 15 minutes. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to let you record for 15 minutes, but <laughs> maybe at the end of the 15 minutes, we'll be back. <laughs> and then Leslie Jones went to get Wiener Schnitzel. We went to go get some Unisnitzel because I was like, I'm eating all my favorite things just in case something go wrong. Nothing's going to go wrong, but I'm just saying. My second shot. Nothing went wrong for Leslie Jones or for hundreds of millions of others. And there are lots of good reasons to get the shot. And here's one from my old friend, former Army National Guard Sergeant and Congressman, and now Minnesota Governor Tim Walsh. Check this out. My message to folks there is there's a lot of good reasons to get vaccinated, but for some of them, you know, if you need another one, go get vaccinated so you're alive to vote against me in the next election. I don't (laughs) care. I just want to get it done. Me too, Tim. And any reason that gets people to get the shot is a good one. So get the vaccine and help others get the vaccine. Be like Dolly Parton, the Dalai Lama, Sammy Hagar, Ron DeSantis, Sarah Palin, Governor Tim Walz, country music star Trisha Yearwood my mom, my wife, and finally, one other person in our family who was holding out. I won't mention their name, but you know who you are. And I'm just damn happy. Thank you to you 
and to anyone else who's been holding out and made the move. Thanks for getting the vaccine. And to those who still haven't, get the shot or you'll miss out on lots of big stuff. As I mentioned in my conversation with Wes, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame revealed its 2021 inductees, and it's the most diverse list of inductees in the history of the Hall of Fame. It's a hell of a lineup, and it's exactly what we all need after the last year. It includes Tina Turner, Carol King, The Go-Go's, Jay-Z, The Foo Fighters, Todd Rundgren, Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, Gil Scott Heron, LL Cool J, Billy Preston, Clarence Avant, and Randy Rhodes. If you don't know why Randy Rhodes is a legend, Google him and you'll find out. But the 36th annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony will take place on October 30th at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. It's going to be on HBO and SiriusXM, and tickets are going to go on sale to the public in July. So who's down for a road trip to Cleveland for Halloween this year? I'm thinking about it, and it's another good reason to get the shot. Get the shot so you can be there. And listen to Dolly Parton. Don't be a chicken squat. Get the shot. Don't miss out. Pull that arm out. Listen to Michelle Obama. Do it for your mama. It's an easy way you can be a helper. And my big thanks to all the helpers that made this episode possible, especially my guest, Wes Chatham. Go and watch The Expanse. Watch all five seasons. Trust me. And be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram and check out his podcast, Ty and That Guy. And hopefully, one day, you can see him in a film powered by Righteous Media with Ron Perlman, John Bernthal, and Denzel Washington. How great would that be? Hey, dreams can come true, and a guy can dream, right? Independent Americans are the future, and so is Wes. My thanks to a couple other helpers. You know, I criticize the media a lot, but there are also excellent people out there who are doing great work. And none better than Brian Lair on WNYC, NPR in New York. He's got one of the best political shows in America. Check out your local NPR or at WNYC.org. He's got a great daily show. And in my view, he's the real mayor of New York City. But he had me on this week for an extended segment. And we got into the Afghanistan pullout, protecting our allies there from slaughter, the overall national security threat environment. We talked about burn pits, military sexual assault, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and more. It's not fun stuff, but it's critically important. And I was honored to be on with my old friend and the former executive director of IAVA, Allison Jaslow, who's an awesome voice for America and always drops knowledge. If you missed it, it's on the Independent Americans website now in the press section, and it'll be posted on our social media. My thanks to Brian and his whole team. And thanks also to the fearless crew of this righteous media spaceship, creative Chris Rosenthal, who had a rockin' birthday in Florida. Happy 50th again, Chris. And it was even more rockin' because he was vaccinated. Thanks to brilliant Bill Schultz and precise Paula Hernandez. They all make this ship go. They all make this ship possible. And if you like this episode, please go to the Apple Podcast Store, be a helper, and give us five stars. And be sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe for free and share. You can visit us on all social media platforms and check out independentamericans.us. There's links to all our social and the new merch that we've been talking about. It's hot. It's ready. You can order now and get it early for Father's Day. Get some gear for your favorite independent dad. 
Go to independentamericans.us and see what we got. Badass camping mugs, hats, t-shirts, and more. You can also go there and see the video of this conversation with Wes. We've got video for every conversation we've had, over 100 episodes with leaders ranging from Ron Perlman to John Bernthal and lots of other badasses, like Ambassador Susan Rice and Medal of Honor recipients David Bellavia, Flo Groberg, and more. It's all on the Righteous YouTube page and linked at independentamericans.us. And also from Righteous Media, check out Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast. Episode 6 is up now. Our friends Rick and Sharon have a great episode that actually digs into some serious stuff that nobody else is talking about. They've got a son and brother with special needs, and they talk about what it's like to have the talk with a son who's on the spectrum. They talk about police encounters, and they give a Mother's Day recap, talk about avoiding Florida, and Rick drops a new animal song. So check out Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast wherever you got this pod. Like Independent Americans, it's powered by Righteous Media. America is more divided than ever before, but we're hoping everything that Righteous Media puts out will make that a little bit less true. And Independent Americans is adding light to contrast all the heat of those other political shows. And every episode is going to continue to bring the Righteous Media five eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. So if you're a concerned, involved American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome, and we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Just like our fearless Patreon members, my thanks, of course, to all the helpers who are members of our Patreon community, the vigilant, the very vigilant, the most vigilant. If you're not a part of the club yet, you can join us for exclusive access and events by becoming a member of the Independent Americans Patreon community. Starts at just five bucks, and you get access to all kinds of cool shit and you get to support this show. You help us keep the lights on, and you help us keep bringing great guests like Wes Chatham and many others. And you'll get access to a special happy hour we've got coming up later this month. Save the date, Thursday, May 20th, 8.30 Eastern. And we will have special guests and prizes. I'll invite Wes and lots of other people to join us. So find Independent Americans on Patreon or on our website, independentamericans.us. And of course, my massive thanks to my wife and two amazing boys. Flag football had the weekend off for Mother's Day, so the LA Express was off, but they will be back this coming Sunday. But T-ball started, and oh boy, that was fun as hell. If you want to experience fun and joy and a lot of comedy, watch five-year-olds play T-ball. It was amazing and fun as hell. And our Giants, our mighty Giants, played the Diamondbacks. And it was really cool to see so many people out together celebrating their kids and afterward to see kids in the playground. America's bouncing back, people. And if you want to see it, go to a t-ball game. In other news, my two-year-old river has been flushing things down the toilet. Yes, we've had a number of incidents involving cars down the toilet, and we've had a conversation with River, but he seems to think that this is a fun game for the spring and into the summer. So shout out especially to my friend Josh Moranti at Moranti Plumbing and Oil Services in upstate New York. Thank you, Josh, for helping us out. And thank you, River, for keeping things interesting. T-Ball is here and the nighttime skies are here and Memorial Day is in a few weeks. Summer's coming, folks. Summer is coming and it's coming really soon.
And this song is called Summer, and it's by Marshmallow, which I love the hell out of. And summer, of course, also means marshmallows. Especially since I got my wife this killer solo smokeless fire pit for Mother's Day, which we plan to put to very good use. But summer is coming, marshmallows are coming, and our VC Day is coming. Our victory over Coronavirus Day. Independence Day, July 4th, 2021, will be our party. And it's what the future in America can look like. It's not colonizing Mars, but it's the future. And it's a future we've all been dreaming about. And a future we've all been working for. A future when we can all declare our independence and our freedom from the virus. It's coming. If we stick together, stick with the plan, and unite like the crew of the Rocinante, and work hard like West Chatham. And we'll keep this movement growing week by week by week. And we'll stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And with hope in our hearts, it's how we got here. And it's how we'll get to the future. In 2050, or just on July 4th. So pass the hope. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this together. From Wes Chatham, to Amos Burton, to Naomi Nagata, to Fred Johnson, to Bobby Draper, to Leslie Jones, to Trisha Yearwood, to Marshmallow. All across the country, and all across the solar system. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay frosty. And stay vigilant, America. America.